Hey everyone, this is Vahid, co-host of the Paul's Podcast, and today's guest is Frank Chung. Frank is the CEO and co-founder of Cerebre, a startup that aims to accelerate the adoption of value-based care by helping providers and payers measure, forecast, and validate the financial ROI of emerging approaches to patient care. Through this work, they aim to radically simplify the process of commercializing value-based care delivery. Their investors include Stepstone, Fika, Susa, 10110, AME Cloud Ventures, Knollwood, Route 66, SaaS Venture Capital, and others. Well, Frank, thanks so much for joining us on The Pulse today. How's it going? It's going well. Thank you for having me on. Of course. As per our tradition, we ask all our guests the same icebreaker, and that is, what did you want to be when you grow up? A lot of different things, depending on the point of my life. Early on, I wanted to be an NBA player and then became more of a realist. I wanted to be an engineer. I didn't really know what that was, but I had uncles that were engineers. Uh, they were, seemed very wealthy and seemed happy. Then I wanted to become a doctor because my parents wanted me to become a doctor and then a programmer. I feel like I'm you know, never really grown up and I'm always growing. So um, my current grown up aspirations is to become a PGA tour player. Full disclaimer, I'm not very good at golf, but I do enjoy the game. I got into it pretty late in life, which is my excuse for why um, I'm not a pro golfer today. I am uh, personally a terrible golfer. I've only gone golfing on mm-hmm. company outings and that hasn't been uh, <laughs> a great performance, <laughs> let's put it that way. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's very much like uh, the healthcare space. It's, um, it's definitely a grind if you want to get into it and get good at it, which is probably why I enjoy it. <laughs> One thing I love about this podcast is we'll always find ways to sneak in healthcare jokes, regardless of what the topic is, even with golf, like, oh yeah, there's a healthcare analogy there. Yeah. Yeah. Anything, anything that's not just, um, you know, served up on a silver platter for you and anything that's even remotely, you know, complex and, and difficult to manage, you can, you can always find some type of healthcare analogy. Okay. So I'm excited to get into today's conversation, talk about Cerebrae, mm-hmm. talk about where the company is today, how it was founded, and also where you're going in the future. But just to get started, I want to dive into your background a little bit, because I think it'll be really helpful context for our audience to understand why Cerebrae needed to exist. Before you founded Cerebrae, you were actually an actuary at a couple of different healthcare companies, namely Blue Shield of California, and right before Cerebrae, Collective Health. Mm-hmm. And I want to focus on that period of time uh, as a starting point, I understand why are there actuaries in healthcare and what do they do? So the technical definition of an actuary is if you were to, you know, Wikipedia it or Google it, it's a business professional that measures the financial consequences of risk. So you typically see actuaries working in the insurance space because that's where the most, you know, contingent financial consequences are. Actuaries play a critical role in the healthcare space because the U.S. system operates on an insurance model where the primary payer of healthcare services is usually not the patient, but some type of sponsoring entity like an employer, an insurance company, or government agency. Actuaries actually have a broad spectrum of supporting functions within the space from underwriting to network contracting to new product development to financial forecasting An easier way to think about the function of an actuary is through the lens of pricing, whether it's pricing a premium, benefit design change, provider contract, risk scores, or a new product. 
I would say most actuarial functions can be associated through that lens as a pricing exercise. Got it. That's helpful. And when you're thinking about the role actuaries are playing in these, let's say, insurance companies to start off with, what are some of the challenges that you saw when you were you know, at Blue Shield or when you were at Collective Health with mm-hmm. the current actuarial function in terms of how it was being provided to the healthcare uh, system? Yeah, a lot of the most recent advances in kind of actuarial processes really come it hasn't really changed for 30 years since Microsoft released Excel, right? And you can apply this analogy, like you can apply this example to a lot of business functions where um, you know Excel dominates, but this is especially true for a lot of the financial and analytical functions that play in, in the healthcare space around pricing. The biggest challenge is really aligning those functions with the complexity of the healthcare space um, as it relates to an insurance setting and then as it relates to external entities. So within an insurance setting, you have different business decisions that drive pricing outcomes that require you know, some form of actuarial analysis to kind of put the pieces together. An example would be that if an insurance company struck a deal with um, a reimbursement rate for a hospital system, that would affect how, how an insurance company would price a premium for you know, specific groups. It would also affect different business strategies around product development, around how they want to build a product around that newly negotiated rate. It would affect marketing. So all those different kind of dominoes that come from that one business initiative need to be evaluated from a financial perspective to make sure that all those other um, dependent components are aligned. When it comes to the struggles with how actuaries play in the payer provider space, there's always this push and pull with how things or how services should be priced and how contracts should be structured. And because oftentimes it's been seen as a zero-sum game where, you know, if you get a concession, if you're a payer getting concession from a provider, that's beneficial to you, but not to the provider and vice versa, the process to get to that agreement is oftentimes very inefficient. Got it. And so just to kind of summarize a couple of these points, make sure I understand the problem correctly. It seems like the big struggle here is actuaries exist within these organizations, but they don't have the tools to do really seems like two basic functions that'd be helpful to insurance companies. One being forward-looking, structuring these arrangements, these contracts such that they make sense financially and that they ultimately do benefit the insurance company. At least there's some um, visibility into how it might affect things downstream. And then to that second point, it's that downstream component. So when you do enter a value-based contract, what does that look like in terms of this downstream impact on costs and therefore downstream impact on premiums and everything else that an insurance company might need to price? Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. And it's not necessarily that um, these tools don't exist. They have existed. But then because of the changing landscape of, of healthcare, where we are moving towards a value-based care arrangement, that means that the, the existing tools aren't really sufficient at scale. Um, and that's the biggest challenge that Cerebri is looking to solve. Got it. And just to dive in on the problem a little bit more, I'm curious. So when before Cerebri came and helped uh, its customers you know, have those tools, how would an actuary go about this? Was it even happening where people even trying to you know, take the analysis of the value-based contracts and you know, link it back to premiums as an example? Or you know, was it happening poorly? I'm just trying to get a sense of 
you know, is this enabling something versus making it better? If you can maybe speak to that a little bit. It was happening at the provider system and hospital system level with large insurance carriers. And so having an actuarial department really work on these contracts that oftentimes are multi-year and you know millions of dollars across a broad swath of a geographical area um, makes a lot of sense. But as we move value-based care downstream and down market to smaller provider systems or medical groups or independent practices, and now as we look at digital health and specialty providers, that model doesn't really work. The unit economics of how those value-based contracts can be negotiated, that, that kind of breaks down. If we are really going to make value-based care accessible downstream for these other players in the space, an alternative solution to fill in the vacuum of the lack of resourcing that's required in order to operationalize. That's really interesting. So in the past, it's only really been the big players that have had a shot of actually developing infrastructure to do this. And even then, only for some of the largest accounts. And really, it seems like the need that Cerebrae is going to be filling in, as we'll talk about in a few minutes, is bringing access to those capabilities downstream for some smaller players, for really any type of value-based arrangement to actually be worthwhile of pursuing from you know, multiple perspectives. Right. Because as much as the value-based care incentive and alignment structure makes sense um, from a theoretical perspective, what ends up happening is, is that the administrative cost to actually get one off the ground and then to operationalize over time um, oftentimes subsumes and offsets any type of savings um, there might be from the arrangement itself. Makes sense. So clearly you saw a lot of problems in your prior mm-hmm. roles when it came to, you know, some of these issues with bringing value-based care to the masses, for lack of a better term. So tell me about your decision to ultimately found Cerebrae. What pushed you to become an entrepreneur and try to develop a solution around this? And if you could also speak to um, how you thought about building that initial team to do this, that'd be helpful. Yeah. So as I had mentioned before, healthcare is really going undergoing a value-based care revolution right now where providers are paid based not on what the services they provide, but on patient health outcomes. Um, This is the delivery model of the future, but in the present, it can be extremely difficult to price these types of services, which is something I saw throughout my time at Blue Shield and Deloitte. Um, And this really hinders widespread adoption to value-based care. You know, a couple of work examples that really stood out to me as examples of why I wanted to start Cerebre was um, just being in the middle of payer provider negotiations with health plans and health systems. Um, Those processes oftentimes took months, sometimes years to negotiate a contract. And it's always seemed like, hey, I'm going to, you know, turn around, hand it to my consulting actuary to do some analysis so I can present a counteroffer. And then the other side goes and does the same thing. And then back and forth, it goes for um, you know months at a time before um, a deal could be struck. And that was really you know eye-opening, but at the same time, exasperating experience as um, someone that you know, was in the middle of technology. I grew up in the Bay Area and seeing all of these processes being improved, but, you know, seeing this particular process and pain point still, you know, not having changed for a better part of 30 years. Those were some 
you know, very, very fond memories and experiences in my work experience that really set the stage for me thinking that um, a solution like Cerebra needs to exist as healthcare really progresses um, towards more value. To make things even more interesting, while I was at Collective Health, what I saw was um, we're experiencing a really unprecedented explosion of digital health and specialty providers delivering these more innovative care models across the healthcare landscape, which is helping to further catalyze the push towards value. So it became really clear just from my industry experience at Blue Shield, as well as Deloitte, and then what I saw, what was happening at Collective Health, that it was clear that the market really needed a scalable technology solution. So my co-founder, Thomas Bennington, and I decided to build it. Awesome. And maybe just get into the co-founder choice. I know a lot of our listeners are thinking about starting their own startup. They're maybe just curious what that looks like. Mm -hmm. How did both of you decide to work together? Yeah, so um, I met my co-founder, Thomas Bennington, while um, working at Collective Health. You know, I, I saw him one day after work in the evening um, in the lounge, just working on something on his on his own. And then we start, struck up a conversation. Turns out that we had both worked at Blue Shield of California. Um, he had also done management consulting, but that was really early in his day. He ended up moving into data science before it was called data science and then became uh, went into engineering. He had a very unique experience profile in that um, he's been in the healthcare space for a long time, working in different roles and then eventually moving into engineering. But he had worked with actuaries and even wanted to become an actuary for a short period of time before going into engineering. Um, So when I struck up a conversation with him, a lot of the complexities around financial analytics, around healthcare, like he got right away just because of his experience. He also was very experienced in data science as well as engineering. And so there was very little gap to be bridged around like the the business topic and how technology can be applied to solve it because he already had that background. And so once I think that was the the, the founder founder fit there when when he confirmed that a technology solution was possible, um, that was when we decided that, that, that we needed to make this happen. Sounds like a perfect match. And uh, thank you for sharing that story. All right. So I'd like to jump right into Cerebre, give the audience a better sense of what the company does and some of the services you're offering. So maybe you could just provide a quick overview as to what are the services that Cerebre is offering and how you think about going to market with those services. Yeah. So at our core, Cerebre is a software application that allows payers and providers to accurately price healthcare services and solutions that improve clinical outcomes and reduce spend. So our initial set of applications make it easy for digital health and specialty providers to prove their value in the market, giving them credible and transparent information to measure savings, to also be able to price dynamically and underwrite dynamically and monitor financial impact. Said another way, Cerebre is that backend software that enables commercial teams to sell effectively in a value-based care environment where payers are much more scrupulous, not just about the product itself that's being sold to them, but also whether that product will be able to reduce total cost of care. Got it. And when you're thinking about helping your customers prove that they are Know, good shepherds of value-based care. I'm curious to hear a little bit more about what are some of the data points you might be collecting as their abilities arrangements. In value-based care, I think a challenge is always, you know, what are the metrics we look at? So I'd be interested in your take on some of the factors you think are most important to your customers. 
Yeah, I think for the most part, the metrics and clinical goals and targets have been relatively well-defined by the market. There's been a lot of research and studies that show that different clinical models can, can drive these different types of outcomes. A classic example would be, you know, a better managed diabetic patient. We can reduce their ER and urgent care utilization rate by, you know, 30 to 50% because you're just managing their blood sugar levels better. So that's pretty well established. But what becomes difficult is how do you convert that into a financial value? right? How do you take these clinical outcomes and clinical targets and how do you price them appropriately so that when a payer is looking at a solution, they can say, hey, yeah, this is, this is what I'm willing to pay and this is going, going to generate a, a positive ROI. Making that decision point a lot easier on the payer's behalf will also help the provider because it doesn't take that much effort to really sell a product experience given the dynamics of what healthcare delivery is like now, better member experience, digital tools, access to care. But you know that second component of, well, how much should a payer pay for a solution to meet that you know, ROI hurdle? That becomes a much more difficult endeavor. Yeah, and just kind of hearing that pitch, if you will, right now, it sounds like another huge value add here is you just even helping the end user understand how they should be thinking about this, right? So you know, if I were one of your customers and I heard you say what you just said, I'd be like, wow, like, okay, I didn't realize like these are some of the considerations to be thinking about when trying to come up with a price. And maybe for this type of customer set, if I want to go to say a payer, here are the data points I should be collecting versus if I were going to say a different type of entity. Right. And this is an important part of not just making the first initial sale, but how do you keep the customer over time? Because part of value-based care a big component of value-based care is setting the right benchmarks for how you measure success. And so what our platform does is not only does it give providers a tool to tell their ROI story in a credible and effective and data-driven way, but it also sets the benchmark for success for which over time, as these providers are collecting data, um, they can actually see how they're performing and can revise and update their model over time. Very interesting. I think that's definitely something that's helpful when trying to just prove value to your point. Something you've mentioned a couple of times now is this idea of being a platform, uh, being a backend solution. So can you speak to what that means a little bit more? So if I were interested in partnering with Cerebre, what does that tactically look like? Um, is it you know, something that's just living on AWS, kind of tracking information? Is it right. a UI? What does the actual experience of partnering with you look like? So when companies partner with Cerebre, their experience is around the three main provider-payer lifecycle stages fundamentally change relative to status quo. The first stage is sales enablement. Providers use Cerebre's impact model application to convey their financial story backed by data and actuarial best practices. The savings projections are dynamically tailored to a payer's demographic profile or claims data to lend credibility to the ROI story. To date, this type of analysis is typically reserved for the few strategic opportunities because providers have limited internal resources to do this for their entire sales funnel. Cerebrace platform enables a business user to perform this type of analysis within their sales workflows at scale. The second stage is value-based pricing and contracting. 
Cerebra enables providers to confidently back up their ROI story by offering payers a shared risk or shared savings revenue model around total cost of care outcomes. Currently, the few providers that do put up revenue at risk or receive performance bonus payments use metrics like patient engagement rate, member MPS, or top-line clinical outcomes like screening rates, but not total cost of care outcomes. The third stage is performance monitoring, which impacts customer retention and is a critical component of operationalizing any type of value-based care program. Cerebri enables providers to credibly and transparently monitor and measure their total cost of care impact. Not only is this essential for customer retention over time, especially as the digital health landscapes becomes ever more competitive, but it also provides useful insights back to the provider on how they can improve their clinical model over time. You know, it's funny that so much of the workforce in digital health today have had past startup experience, and all of them have the build, measure, learn mantra ingrained into their psyche. So it is ironic and yet unfortunate that measuring and monitoring total cost of care impact which is probably one of the most important indicators of long-term viability, has been untenable to date. And Cerebrae's technology changes that. Got it. And to summarize then, so it seems like a really interesting, you know, I guess, partnership path here. I heard four steps. So first, you know, designing an impact model to understand what is the customer need and what are the things that we need to be able to do to facilitate those needs. Second, uh, integrating that with that platform on the back end. So that could be available in multiple locations. And also you have the analytical capabilities that might sit on top of that. Third, um, you know, making this available for the teams who need it so that they can pursue those value-based initiatives. And lastly, make sure all this scales across different sizes of organizations, different needs, different teams, et cetera. Would you say that's right? Yeah, that's right. I think you've encapsulated better than I did. Um, you know, one of the things that we get asked all the time is like, oh, you're, you're an actuarial organization. Are you looking to replace my own actuary team or, um, you know, my, uh, my data science team or analytics team? And um, really the answer is, is no, because what they produce is actually really important as inputs for Cerebrae's platform um, in that what we do is we uh, are, are like a harness that takes those outputs and we convert them into a financial story benchmarks that enable value-based care that can scale across their commercial organization. A lot of the, the, the key kind of components or the functions of those teams don't change. What it really does is it solves for this kind of messaging alignment problem that oftentimes happens with growing organizations that we work with, where um, you have, you know, disparate analysts and then disparate, you know, commercial teams that are growing that are really, you know, pulling analysis one opportunity at a time in an ad hoc way. And then if you were to ask, you know, any company or an individual within the commercial org, like, what is your financial value proposition? You'll get different answers across individuals, depending on which analyst they work with. And so what Cerebrae's platform does is it codifies that source of truth, works with those analytic departments, and it, it basically aligns that messaging and that 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 financial value proposition consistently across a commercial org that is oftentimes growing really rapidly. Makes sense. And as you're talking about this, um, I'm starting to think a lot more just about your customer side and kind of marrying a couple of things I've heard so far. You mentioned at the beginning of our conversation, one of the goals of three raise to, in other words, I guess, democratize access to actuarial capabilities. 
some mm-hmm. organizations, even if they're small, have the ability to really effectively get into value-based care. At the same time, you mentioned that you have some customers who already have actuarial teams and they become a really powerful input capability into your platform. Some are sophisticated, have messaging goals, some might not. So can you tell me a little bit about those different customer segments and how you think about reaching each one of them? Yeah. So besides like the obvious like payer and provider segment, I would segment our customer types at which stage they are in their value-based care life stage, which I would generally categorize as early stage, mid-stage, or late stage. So early stage is whether these providers are currently fee-for-service, but are thinking about like, we still need to tell a value story around our fee-for-service model. Being able to communicate what that ROI story is, is is important to them. Um, And then there's mid-stage, which the primary focus or goal is outcomes demonstration. How do you start putting the framework together or the components and workflows together to really measure your outcomes over time to be able to see if there's an opportunity to continue to improve the delivery model or whether or not you're ready for late stage, which is taking those outcomes and saying, hey, we're ready to go shared risk and shared savings contracts to really further their business opportunities and their revenue opportunities. So early stage, mid stage, and late stage is how I would generally segment our different customer types. But each of those components require kind of some level of actuarial kind of lens to be able to ensure that they're set up on each stage to move to the next. Got it. So maybe let's dive into this a little bit more then. Let's consider the value-based care offering you have. Can you walk through, in case we miss anything on the offering, what the offering at a high level really is trying to do and what it looks like? And then you segmented according to these stages earlier. How do you pitch these customers on why they should partner with Cerebre as opposed to building in-house capabilities or maybe trying to hire consultants for way over budget? What are your thoughts there? Yeah, so um, most of our early customers actually did not have in-house capabilities, nor were they using any consultants. But for those that do, our pitch is that they should actually continue and probably will continue using those alternatives because um, Cerebra isn't looking to replace them. You can think of Cerebra's platform, um, as I mentioned before, as more of a harness that takes the outputs of an in-house analyst or a consultant we crystallize the results and we amplify that story at scale, right? So an example I think would be helpful here. Let's say an analytics team um, of a digital health company or a consultant of a digital health company was able to, using their own independent analysis, determine that a patient that their patients had a 50% reduction in uh, emergency room department utilization. What Cerebra's platform will do is it'll take that result determine how much money that would save or effectively price it on a general population. Now, what if the payer that they were selling to was based in New York City and had an age distribution that skewed closer to 28 with 75% males? Well, that results in terms of that price would change based on that specific demographic. Or what if another payer had a members distributed across Austin, San Francisco, and New York City, and had an average age skewed towards closer to 50 with 45% males. Well, then the saving story would change there as well. Now, what if that company is trying to market or sell to 50, 100, or 100, <laughs> or 1,000 different payers in any given year? How would they be able to tell that story dynamically and effectively um, at scale across all those opportunities? Um, and really, that's what Cerebrate enables. 
so hopefully that that example just kind of crystallizes um, what we do relative to kind of what the in-house actuaries or analytics teams or consultants do. It does. But one question I had, and just kind of as you're describing this, you know, this obviously requires a lot of data. You need data on the individuals, you need data on the individuals and the products that a digital health company might be selling. Are you getting all this information exclusively from the customers? Or are you also partnering with data providers, um, say even EMRs, other sorts of information to be able to say, okay, well, for a population, this is what we think the price will look like. How are you going about that problem, really? Yeah, we're partnering, we're licensing claims data for, for our companies that don't have enough internal data to work with. And because we are very specific towards financial outcomes, the data that we require in order to come up with these, these measures are actually very specific related to adjudicated claims data, which, which show what the providers are being reimbursed on, on a service category level. And so it would be claim line data that we license um, to help support our platform when our customers don't have data to provide. Oftentimes, um, depending on where the customer is on the value-based care lifecycle, they'll have data and integration to bring to the table. And that's where our platform will allow for that integration so that um, more of the analysis can be used and worked on their data as opposed to our baseline data. Got it. That's super cool. I feel like for an organization that's maybe not thinking about this or doesn't even have access to that data, that's a huge value add. So I think I understand the product. I understand some of the different partnerships you have in place to be able to deliver that product at a higher level of quality. Going back to this idea of a pitch now, for maybe some of the smallest organizations that have historically perhaps felt like they were barred from value-based care because costs are prohibitive, you have this amazing solution. You have the ability to really drive impact. How do you convince, say, a group that's already had quite a bit of vendor fatigue to partner with you? What is really the story you try to convey there so that they get excited about working with Cerebrae? That's a good question. I think for the earlier stage companies or for companies that just have vendor fatigue, I think what they are looking to solve for um, in value-based care is, is that they either, one, understand where healthcare is going, or they don't see it yet. And so it's like, it's like these two components where we oftentimes come across a customer that says, hey, um, I'm in the stage of building my company, but I understand that value-based care is the way to go. And that we are going to have to think about a solution, if not now, then in the future. And then there are companies that are, you know, would say, hey, you know, and this is actually very few and far in between, <laughs> where um, they don't think that value-based care is like, they think there's an alternative alternative path um, in healthcare that's, that's not value-based care driven. Um, again, there are not a lot of those um, customers uh, or, or, or companies that I've, I've come across. But for those that actually understand that it's either, you know, we either get on the train now and think about what our plan is, or we're going to have to think about it later. Um, the pitch really revolves around telling that particular story. One, do you think healthcare is moving in a direction where providers need to take on more financial risk or payers are expecting providers to take on more financial risk? If the answer to that is yes, a lot of times it's more of an education process where, um, well, do you know what it means to 
operate more like an insurance company because that's what effectively you are. And oftentimes the answer to that is no. And so we go through the process of here's what you would need in order to be able to kind of price dynamically at scale or underwrite dynamically at scale. Here's what you would need in order to you know, measure your performance over time or to recognize revenue. And all of those different components come together and they start thinking, okay, well, what are my options here in terms of being able to do this? I can try to bring this in-house, but then now I'm as a provider, I'm really trying to just build an insurance company from scratch. And do I really want to do that? Understood. Yeah. I'm glad you don't have too many prospects who are anti-value-based care. That just seems like a bad bet to take, but hey, each to each their own. Um, <laughs> but the process makes a lot of sense. And I think walking people through just based on my own experiences of working with um, Digital Health and Pass, I think is um, really helpful to end users. So I know we talked quite a bit about value-based care. And before I shift gears, to another topic, I'm just kind of curious to think about you know, what else Subaru is offering that you think is particularly important to the industry. So the value-based care offerings make a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. What else in terms of capabilities do you have today uh, or might be developing in the future that you think is going to be really impactful for your customers? So at a meta level, Cerebrate's offering is really attempting to foster more trust into a system that has turned a lot of people into cynics for good reason. Does a payer ever look at a you know white paper from a digital health company that claims 400% ROI um, and says, oh yeah, that's a no-brainer. Of course we should buy it. Like that doesn't happen often or at all anymore because there's just not a lot of trust and credibility behind the numbers. So if you can, you know, imagine if you apply this in a different industry or market segment and you say, hey, can you imagine if like a new car market in a new car market, buyers had no idea if the car that they were purchasing was a lemon, it'd just be like random crapshoot, right? Like that market wouldn't operate very well. In many ways, um, this is what's happening in the value-based care space where um, the reason why there's been just so little kind of traction, especially, you know, down, down market between payers and providers is because, you know, there's just not a lot of clarity or trust into, into whether or not these solutions will be able to generate a return over time. And that story needs to be better told. Um, and I think it needs to be told um, independently with a standardized approach and a, and, a, and a transparent approach. Interesting. So in a sense, too, what you're saying is that part of the other layer of value you're providing, not to double use the word value too much, is really almost really the existence of Cerebrae as an authenticating body proving that like we're collecting this information, we are responsible for validating it. We can be a trusted entity to make sure that there is more trust in the system so that people who are working with Cerebrae are trying to show that you know, they're achieving these outcomes, you know, have some credibility, especially as they're going against you know, some bigger players. Yeah, that's right. And also these services or these functions that the Cerebrae platform brings, um, not only brings that level of credibility that enables you know, these organizations or these providers to really kind of tell their story and increase top line revenue. But at the same time, you know, being able to actually keep that revenue operationalized and improve their model over time without those metrics, um, they, they really are left open to a lot of just churn in the market that I think would be would be really, really difficult to manage over time because you just Eventually, you're going to come to the cross points where um, the question around whether or not your solution is delivering that financial value piece of value-based care, 
you'll come ahead to it and 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 being able to you know prepare for that early on and course correct if needed over time is my recommended way to go makes sense all right so i want to take a step back now as kind of a transition and think about Ray and the larger ecosystem and one of the things that kind of comes to mind to me is this idea of partnerships Earlier, we talked about how you might be partnering with, say, claims providers to gather that data and make your product more powerful. Mm-hmm. One thing I want to think about is some other types of backend infrastructure integrations. And the reason this comes to mind is, I think just about a year ago, maybe a little bit longer, uh, Surveyo was featured in a Julia U thesis piece. Mm-hmm. You've probably seen it, but the new tech stack for virtual first care. And in that, she highlights Surveyo as one of those backend infrastructure players that would be necessary to really enable that next generation of, say, value-based care, distributed models of care, et cetera. So first, to start off on this topic, I want to get your take on this. How do you see Surrey fitting into the bigger picture, especially as an infrastructure player uh, in the healthcare ecosystem? Yeah, that was actually a really pleasant surprise being mentioned in her piece. I think she did a good job of describing the higher bar these new virtual care providers expect when it comes to scalable infrastructure. And the value-based care financial operational stack is really no exception to that. There is an expectation that the tech stack bar is um, should be performant better than um, you know, what has been done now, which is a lot of humans in Excel files. Almost everyone in the healthcare space recognized that a future of a sustainable healthcare model will be value-based care. And um, for digital health companies, operationalizing that value-based care commercial function um, at scale will, will, will be mission critical. So um, in my mind, where our platform makes it easy for payers and providers to price clinical outcomes and to monitor financial performance, as we think about how we can become an easy to use part of this tech stack, one clear partnership opportunity um, would be with clinical and operational workflow solutions. So by sharing that financial performance data, these workflows can be better optimized over time for an organization from a clinical and operational perspective. Another area um, where we can see a clear partnership opportunity is because our solution is so financial focused and financial oriented, where that piece of the puzzle, and you mentioned this before, comes in is where the claims come in. So any backend system that is adjudicating claims where their you know, customers are payers that are looking to kind of better embed an actuarial solution or um, to be able to like embed this function within their just normal operating system of a TPA or a claims administrator, that becomes a huge value add to that particular system as well. That's helpful. I, I love just kind of thinking about how these players can all integrate in, in the future and this additional level of scale that you'd be bringing by these types of integrations. At the end of the day, like mm-hmm. there are several players trying to build these backend solutions, but to your point, it's important to um, help enable each other. And it seems like it's definitely on that track to do so. The space is, um, you know, there's there's just so many different touch points and, 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 and workflows in the healthcare space that it, it would be insane to try to build it all yourself, right? So um, partnering with the, the companies that have figured a, a component out, uh, I would say would be definitely the, the, the most effective approach. Definitely, yeah. I, I love partnerships in healthcare. And so looking forward to see what you guys are working on. 
So in the last few minutes to wrap up, I want to just ask you a little bit about career advice as well as hiring. We are an MBA podcast. So a lot of our listeners are coming from that group of people. So maybe to start off, will be your biggest piece of advice to MBAs interested in the space that Cerebrae is playing in, in terms of both learning about the space and resources to look at, but also thinking about how to innovate within the space? Yeah, in terms of career advice, um, I don't think any of this information is new, but it's worth emphasizing for those that want to get into healthcare as a career. Healthcare is complex and moves slow. That might be the greatest understatement of all time in the business space. Um, So it's important to be aware of this um, if you decide to make this your career choice. I really like that scene in um, the movie Zootopia where um, they walk into a DMV and it's like being run by slots. It's excruciatingly painful, yet funny scene, hilarious for anyone that has like a type A get stuff done personality. Healthcare oftentimes feels like that, but on the flip side, it makes the wins feel that much more rewarding, right? So um, I think coming at this from a career perspective with open eyes about what you're getting yourself into is very important because um, you want to be in it for the long haul. No true words have been said. It is not the fastest moving. At times it feels like it's moving really fast. On aggregate, parts of it are really slow though. Exactly. Yep. I feel that. And then last question, more direct for Cerebre is, is Cerebre hiring MBAs? And if you are hiring, what kind of skills and backgrounds are you looking for? Yeah. um, Whether or not an individual has an MBA or not, it doesn't really matter to us. You know, typical startup profile, you know, the, the, the skills and backgrounds that we look for are analytical? Are you, are you intellectually curious? Can you, you know, do things, um, uh, you know, are you, are you, are you self-motivated? Yeah, that's all check, check, check. Um, right now, I think if I'm, you know, looking at our growth strategy and roadmap and where there's opportunities within Cerebre is um, looking for people that can help us with our go-to-market um, marketing strategy. You know, as you might have gleaned from this conversation, that there's just a lot of intricacies within the healthcare space around healthcare finance that I think um, offers Cerebre a lot of opportunities for um, a go-to-market strategy to really educate the market about like what value-based care actually is from an operational perspective and what's needed. And then being able to kind of harness a lot of the very interesting data and analysis that we're seeing to, to help generate a lot of that content momentum and marketing momentum that we think is available to us. Got it. So definitely lots of exciting opportunities for people with or without an MBA, regardless, just a lot of exciting opportunities at Street Bay. Right. Um, and, and, and as always, you know, um, we, we are hiring for those. Uh, I know some, some actuaries that went to get their MBAs. So, you know, if you're an actuary with an MBA, that's awesome. And also, as per any tech company, we're always hiring um, on the product side. Yeah. You never get enough product and engineering folk. There's always need for more. <laughs> And then exactly. More. Yes. All right. Well, Frank, thank you again for joining us today. I really appreciate it. And um, excited to see where the company goes over the next few months or the next few years. Thanks for having me on, Mahid. It was really fun. <laughs>